You're going to see the interview everyone is going to be talking about. Wagon wheel Watusi. What do I think of her? Yes. I don't think of her. Then we become divas as opposed to just strong women. Oh, coughing during my interview, really? It feels uh, reductive. Hello and welcome to Big Diva Energy, the podcast for and about fabulous people being fucking extralent. I'm Holly Morgan, I'm obsessed with divas, and my husband Tom is also here. Slipping bitch. Divas, strap the fuck in because this episode is hot. Uh, our subject was born a brand and became the mother of modern celebrity. Socialite, it girl, model, businesswoman, superstar DJ, icon. She's so much more than the famous for being famous simpleton she tricked you into thinking she was. Our subject is Paris Hilton. And with us to discuss Paris is a cross-genre phenomenon who defies categorization. A performance artist, actress and comedian, her multi-award winner debut Triple Threat announced her as a hilarious, radical, confrontational superstar, force of nature, and was included in The Guardian's top 10 comedy shows of 2016. Last year was incredibly busy for our phenomenal guest. Her second show, Post Popular, sold out the Pleasance main space at the Edinburgh Fringe, before transferring to the Soho Theatre to a raft of four and five star reviews. She was also commissioned by Fierce Festival to create Life Live, her first show featuring original music, which is due to tour next year. Catch her wherever you can, it's Lucy McCoy! you're welcome that was funny because when you were introducing paris hilton i thought you were introducing me and I was like, oh, I, born a brand i like how they're calling me an it girl and i was thinking oh i haven't really modeled but i'm not going to mention that <laughs> i think that's a mispronunciation i think it's it girl I oh sure <laughs> it girl yeah that's yeah. coming yeah. up to help with the router <laughs> Amazing. Um, so thank you so much for coming to me. We haven't actually met in real life, um, but we meet. this is how we but, do socialising now, isn't it? Yeah, this is life now. Yeah. This it's is funny, life. like, sometimes my flatmate will say, like, oh, are you going to blah, blah, blah tonight? <laughs> and she means, like, online, like yeah. some club night or something. And it's just... It's mad, yeah, isn't it? We've become weird. the Sims. <laughs> Our life is a... <laughs> Our life is a swimming pool with no ladder. <laughs> yeah. But we know you by proxy through our wonderful Katie Danbury, who does our marketing, because you guys used to work at the dungeons together. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that's the best introduction. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut it out, but I'm obsessed with the fucking dungeons, so I had to Oh, yeah, that, that is probably the biggest compliment you can get from Holly. <laughs> she lives and she works at Dickens World. Yeah. It's important not to forget where you come from. Okay? Exactly, stay so grounded. Let's, let's talk about it. When I was at drama school, I worked at the London Dungeon, and I'm sure you know it was a very formative experience. <laughs> Did you ever have to do that horrible bit where you stand outside the dungeons and sort of pass to people in cubic Starbucks? Well, now you mention it, no, that's good because I was one of the indoor actors. Cut above, mate. Exactly. That's yeah. what we liked to think. Because um, we didn't have to be outside giving out leaflets. We were inside doing monologues. Um, uh. It sounds a bit like the Titanic, the social organisation. It's like, shove oh, that yeah. lot out the front and then... Well, that's, guys, that's capitalism. <laughs> that is it. Exactly. There's and no we... lifeboats for the flyers. Exactly. And what a fitting <laughs> subject to be talking about Paris Hilton. <laughs> talking about social tears. capitalism. <laughs> We'll get to her because we've got some more. We've got some questions we want to ask you, please, Lucy. The first yeah. of which is, I will always love you. Who is your ride or die diva? Okay, I've gone for Miriam Margulies. Oh, 
Very much talk of the town at the moment. She's everything. Did you say she's the talk of the town? Yeah, she seems to keep on popping up. Why do you love Miriam? Well, she's just amazing, isn't she? Yeah. She's hilarious. She's straight talking. She just, she's just, I don't know. Yeah, she's just fucking... Really amazing and funny and right on. It's so true. Almost every anecdote I've heard about her from people who've met her, the conversation starts with, do you fuck? And I'm like, (laughs) you know, just cut straight to the point. Do you fuck? Yeah. Which apparently she got asked by Warren Beatty at one point. And now so she seems to have co-opted it as her introduction. That's her icebreaker. Do you fuck? <laughs> wow, what a question. Yeah, no, it's got ma- many I answers. Were gonna, I thought you were going to say, do you fart? Because she talks about <laughs> farting a lot. Yes, she, does. she does. And, and this was probably on something like Graham Norton or something, but she talks about how like farting is this sort of like social, it's like this thing that brings people together. <laughs> kind of like a sort of socialist cause or something which i think is brilliant flatulence is the glue that puts society together absolutely it's a you universal know, like, thing it's death taxes and farting yeah. isn't it yeah and like you know when you get to that stage of a relationship where you can like fart in front of each other and absolutely. stuff like that's very important i oh. totally agree and no yeah. one doesn't find it funny and if they pretend they don't then they're lying then they're a tory <laughs> <laughs> that's how you could spot them yeah. <laughs> they don't want to fart yeah. Tories don't like farts it's true you heard it here first spread it around they won't tell you that either they keep that one under wraps <laughs> oh brilliant um, <laughs> who runs the world which diva would you give the nuclear codes to oh it's got to be Beyonce yeah right yeah sure come I, on there's for, no other answer no Returned just for, for efficiency and ruthless efficiency. I think that's what I'm looking for in my <laughs> in someone in that position. Yeah. I mean, I know it's cut. You've kind of like fed it into the question there. So I maybe know, right? put, maybe you put in as like a subliminal message, but I definitely would. You know, she's like the perfect combination of you know like fair and ruthless. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Love it. She's also she's come. I, I, you are, you're right. I fed it into the question, but. Um, <laughs> She's coming out with like the most of our guests have said Beyonce. Yeah. So I think at this point it's basically the world is is they couldn't make it clearer that we want her. We want her yeah. for world leader. That's it now. Yeah, six out of six billion people <laughs> have answered Beyonce. So six incredibly camp people want Beyonce to run the world. So why hasn't it happened it could yet? Happen though. It, it could, could happen, like anything could happen. That's what like being in lockdown and stuff makes me feel like literally anything could happen now so true yeah in a really scary way really some dictator is just gonna like take over the world and like kill all the good people but also maybe it maybe it also on the other hand it means that beyonce could run the world one day yeah Yeah. absolutely i'd take an autocratic beyonce yeah me too she could do what she likes yeah she could be dictatorial i trust her judgment (laughs) yeah same (laughs) absolutely in her hands I could turn back time. If you could send one diva back into any period of history, who would it be? I'm going to put the GC in charge of the Brexit negotiations. <laughs> I think she thinks she is in charge I of that. <laughs> oh my God, that would be so good. You know what? She she would cut to the point and yeah. the point would Absolutely. be... Absolutely. Yeah. It'd be like, look, stop fucking about. When, who, who's giving me the OBE? Also, let's sort this shit out. GC comes first. Yeah, I mean, That's I true. love her. I love She's her so amazing. much. I, 
her um her most recent Instagram starts with um Hello Earthlings. That's a new <laughs> new greeting she's taken on. <laughs> oh wow. Is that what she's calling her personal fans? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Maybe well, she lives on Chromatica now. Maybe. That's probably what it is. Do you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> Greetings from space. No one doesn't love me, so hello earthlings, that'll do. <laughs> she is incredible. Material girl, what's on your rider? Right. Well, I've got a couple of my show riders here. Oh, great. Oh, wow. Uh, here's the first one. Big <laughs> Nutella, beer, fags, massive mayonnaise, hot dogs, coffee, meringues, big shaky salt. <laughs> it's like my shopping list. <laughs> uh, here's the second one. Um, bag of soil, crisps, biscuits, including penguins, Dr. Pepper, jam donuts, two big ketchups, heroes and condoms. <laughs> <laughs> I like how your rider is so colloquial as well. <laughs> I love it. A big cat. Fags. Big Fags. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will just add at this point, a lot of this stuff I use in the show. Sure. I'm, I'm um, thinking it's disappointing. <laughs> you know, and out of the show, I hasten to add. Um, if I can get them to, you know, buy me that stuff then then I will that, that you know anyone listening that doesn't know me it gives them a good idea of my work doesn't it <laughs> well, <laughs> you need to know doesn't it well I was just running through in my head thinking like I think of the finale of post popular I'd be like actually quite a few things on those on that ride could have been used to achieve the effect but I think I know what it was <laughs> I don't want no spoilers people who will see Lucy's work when this is all fucking over nice. um, superb thank you for sharing that with me <laughs> That is, that is that collective Welcome. list is now my rider. Also, yeah. like I do want to be given free drinks. <laughs> like some, no, but honestly, I did do a gig last year where they didn't even give us a free drink. Fuck and we're just outraged. You know, no drinks tokens for the bar. Come on, at least at least give give drinks tokens. Yeah, and no. actually give us free drinks and also dinner. Yeah, please. definitely. Yes. Mm. Um, have you ever been a diva? Well, uh, I've been thinking a bit about the word diva, obviously, yeah. like being invited to come on here. I think sometimes people do think I'm a, a diva. Or ev- like Occasionally, people might have thought that I'm rude because, um, because when I, like, turn up to a gig, I'm both quite... I'm quite serious about um, it being good and it being prepared. I think, again, like with my work, it's, you know, very messy. I clown around a lot, but that's very strategic. And mm. so what can be a bit frustrating sometimes is when people think, oh, you know, she'll improvise, she'll do something. Yeah. And you sort of think, well, no, actually, I've put loads of time and energy into planning this. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing, the time when I think I've become a diva, and I don't want to be too sort of binary about this, but mm-hmm. it is just true, is from male technicians. Right, and yeah. I turn up and I'm patronised mm-hmm. and I'm not listened to sometimes. Yeah. And that is when, you know, you have to turn up the volume, you have to demand what you want because you're otherwise you're not heard. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you get the feeling that they think, oh, she's a bit abrasive or a bit oh. shirty or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I've sent you the email weeks ago saying what we need and I'm turning up and you haven't done it or whatever. And, you know, that 
stuff will properly get to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I totally agree. I think it is, diva has become a term that has become gendered to be a way of putting, um, I think, generally female, but also people on the non-binary spectrum or queer artists in quote unquote in their place and it's no surprise I think we've heard a lot quite a few people have said that about technicians turning around going oh diva no I'm a performer who is invested and prepared and it takes a lot of work to make something look spontaneous and for them not to get that and to use something that they think is an insult to undermine your professionalism is just fucking unacceptable yeah. yeah. And the other time, actually, that I'm a monster is if, <laughs> if anyone tries to talk to me just before, before we perform. So right, if you talk yeah. to me like five minutes before, it's like, why? Why are you doing that? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, don't come asking me about anything when I'm either like just about to leave the dressing rooms or like in the wings sometimes. Someone comes to you like, oh, just to say blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, get away <laughs> from me. Like, <laughs> yeah absolutely take their eyes yeah (laughs) do you think that's something to do you know is that because you're performing under your own name people are like oh she she, it's all right she's just a person whereas they don't realize that there's a distance between you on stage and you off stage I think it probably is something to do with that and um I also think in the in those people's defense you know sometimes they Maybe they think, oh, it's best to go straight to her rather than like right. talk to a middle person. But actually, I think if you're just about to perform, <laughs> you don't want to deal with it's not the time. Like, crazy. Oh, can I just remind you not to do this particular thing or something like that? Yeah. It's just like, no, you can't. Do you want me to perform or not? And I'm <laughs> just about to do it. And I'm probably really nervous. So <laughs> you need to get away yeah. from me. Yeah, no, I totally relate. Probably like telly as well, isn't it? Because you see so many TV shows like where like the narrative, like TV shows where they work on TV shows or something mm. like that. And there's always that like moment when they're about to do something and someone just runs up to them and is like, by the way, we're doing this now. It's completely changed. Okay, off you go. And they push them on stage. Right, yeah. And there's always like that trope of the sort of narrative thing. Yeah. I wonder if people have seen that on TV so many times that they're like, yeah. you know what? Performers can deal with anything. I've seen telly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That leads me to my last question, which is kind of, the, I suppose, if you could sum it up in a way, what does be a diva, what does that term mean to you? I mean, to be honest, the term diva, like, it doesn't mean a lot to me. It's not something I call myself. Mm. Not, It's not a word I use a lot, mm-hmm. but I am interested in it. I'm quite interested to have this conversation and think about, like, the stuff you were talking about, about it being an excuse or sort of weirdly misogynistic. Mm. Um but also the good things about it and that it actually just means sometimes I think like cutting the crap and having like a straight talking conversation, which I think is a good thing. And then I was thinking as well about privilege and divas. I was wondering, I was thinking, can you be a diva without a certain amount of privilege or success? And I was thinking, yeah, you probably can. But I think it is interesting to think about you know, a diva is just people people that are like high on their power, and that mm. the idea is that's like funny and cool. But actually, if you step back and look at it, it's like, is that funny and cool? <laughs> yeah, that's such an interesting so, point. Yeah, I feel really like in two minds about yeah. the idea of a diva. Some stuff I like about it, some stuff I don't. Yeah, I'd be interested to know if the GC used to call herself a diva before 
she became the GC right. in the public eye. Yeah. yeah. Like, did she just used to strut around Essex just being like, I'm the diva. I'm the diva. Yeah. Because she definitely does now. <laughs> diva on lockdown, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I was wondering if the term diva had an inherent idea of like triumph over adversity yeah. and that that's partly what we like about it. But then with someone like Paris Hilton, that's not the, I mean, okay, all humans have their own things they have to go through, yeah. but yeah. talking about someone who was born into like massive wealth. Yeah. So, um, you know, I do feel like sometimes maybe in the past, the idea of a diva was some, someone who'd like, overcome something maybe and had reached a certain amount of success but then if you haven't had anything to get over in the first place it's sort of (laughs) yeah I think that's such an interesting point isn't it because I think like um looking at the etymology of it I think it used to mean something to do with like being a virtuoso singer which is someone who's Mm. trained right and overcome that 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 that's been the challenge they've they've attained something but I think Equally, we do associate with it with tragedy quite a lot because a lot of the people we think of as like the divas, the people like, I guess, Judy Garland or someone like that, we go, oh, tragic life. But there is also, yeah, there's the Paris Hilton energy, which is I have something about me that makes, and with her actually, it is a sense of potential, you know, economic superiority. Entitlement. Entitlement, exactly. That's what it is, what you were saying about privilege and entitlement. So I think there's definitely multiple strands and it's like what we're trying to find out is, yeah, what each one of those strands means really and kind of like pulling at the threads of them and seeing what's at the root of it. Yeah, that's really cool. And like, because we were talking about like who to discuss and actually there's something to me quite interesting about, I mean, Paris Hilton, I mean, Okay, it might be a bit random. Also, I like if you, if your listeners are like younger than us, will they even yeah. like she's not that relevant anymore? Will they know who she is? But in a way, like talking about someone that you don't even like that much is quite interesting. Because <laughs> quite fascinating. Often, <laughs> no, if you're gonna pick someone, you'd pick someone you really like. But um, you know, I don't love Paris Hilton, but I have been interested a little bit to think about why she like why people do love her or why she's like engaging absolutely yeah. yeah i think she's a really fascinating figure in uh the evolution of sort of women on camera and like she's basically Mar- like marie antoinette in a way like she kind of <laughs> occupies a similar space in the like late all naughty because like, when we were yeah we were chatting about who to do i thought oh because you you know you might be maybe do christina because you've like done her numbers or gaga or someone and obviously because you're a singer as well i thought but it's really interesting that we're actually we're talking about someone who's politically kind of the opposite end of the spectrum to us and well I'm also I'm also quite a basic bitch and that's why I thought you know Paris Hilton would be absolutely ideal for me oh she'd keep she'd murder you if she heard you call her a basic bitch she'd be like you might be dull but might be for the first time no that's true she's so boring she really is brilliant well should we have a little break and then we'll get into it yeah lovely stuff And we're back. Let's get into it. So Paris Whitney Hilton was born on February the 17th, 1981, into extraordinary privilege as the great-granddaughter of Conrad Hilton, the founder of Hilton Hotels. So as a quick note on the Hiltons, they are... (laughs) So they're problematic. Uh, Her great-grandfather Conrad is the one in Mad Men. He built the brand from scratch and was the last one not to be born into immense wealth and privilege. So he was married to Zsa Zsa Gabor, which I didn't know. (laughs) 
Um, and Paris isn't related to Zsa Zsa. So this gets this is the family tree, basically. Conrad Sr. had three sons by Mary Adelaide Barron. And then the family tree is almost impossible to follow because they basically only use the same names over and over again. They're all called some combination of Nicky, Conrad or Baron. So at the root, you've got Conrad Sr. who has Conrad Jr., Baron and Eric by his wife Mary Baron. Then he married Zsa Zsa Gabor. Then Zsa Zsa started fucking Conrad Nicky Jr., her stepson. So Conrad Sr. and Zsa Zsa divorced. And then Conrad Jr. was Liz Taylor's first husband. But they divorced after a year because he was an abusive alcoholic. So Paris's granddad is Baron Hilton, the son of Conrad Jr., who didn't sleep with his stepmom or marry Liz Taylor. Lucy, you still with us on that? Um, just about. <laughs> yeah, right. I would imagine um, Paris has equal problems trying to follow that. Yeah. Well, which is quite like okay. <laughs> That he was the guy from Mad Men. Yeah. He seems to be quite an amiable character. He was like a sort of self-made man. He was a, His dad owned a general store. And, uh, and then he made this empire from scratch. And then where do we get to? <laughs> and then the rest of them. <laughs> and then this happened. So Paris's parents are Richard, son of Baron Hilton, and Kathy Hilton, who was an actress and a model. Uh, Kathy met Richard at 15 and married him at 20. Paris arrived 15 months later than Nicky in 1983, then a Baron in 1989, and finally a Conrad in 1994 to round out the set of the same fucking names. <laughs> Ridiculous. The Hiltons are, I mean, like... Mix it up, lads. <laughs> Why the same that must names? Be so confusing, right? I mean, no wonder they fall out all the time. Because having them in the same place, you must have to wear a fucking name tag. Well, it wouldn't help. <laughs> I guess you got Conrad wouldn't. on your name tag. <laughs> Put them in <laughs> teams, maybe. I would, I'd quite like to call my child Lucy, if I'm honest. Would you? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite cute. It we can wear the same outfit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Hiltons are basically tabloid gold. And if there's one thing Americans love more than Americans realising the American dream and pulling themselves up from nothing to become millionaires, it's being snooty about people with new money who didn't come over on the Mayflower. So that's our girl Paris's background. So her early life was spent between Manhattan and Beverly Hills and Hilton hotels all around the globe. Stories of her childhood involved quite a lot of gossip about literal dog shit. Uh, so the Hiltons, I don't know if, you, don't know if you've known this, uh, they're animal lovers, but they did not love cleaning up after them, according to hotel personnel. So Paris kept animals in her handbag from a very early age, initially ferrets. Ever kept an animal in a bag, Lucy? <laughs> Wait, I was just wondering, is that why people put their dogs in their handbags? I think so. Yes. Yes. shit in them. Yes. <laughs> <Stop> it. <laughs> I mean... Does everyone, does everyone know that? Is that a thing? I did not know I, that. <laughs> That is not why I thought people had dogs in their handbag. Go on, why did you think they put them in there? Because it was beyond me, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, yeah, it is a mystery anyway. But just because, like, maybe because they're really small, they'd get tired from walking or something. And actually, you just look in that bag and there's a pile of shit in that bag. It's slowly like... getting higher in the bag the longer it spends in there. Did you see that recent story about the uh, New York Underground? You tell it because you told it today. No, it's like the New York subway said you can't. You only have an animal that is a do- is a, the size you can carry in a bag on the subway. So people were like cutting holes in those big IKEA bags, and putting Great Danes <laughs> yeah. in them. <laughs> Probably apocryphal, but I loved it. No, I saw pictures. <laughs> 
Well, her dad, Richard, decided she had too many pets and he cut her off. He's like, I'm not buying you any more pets. Um, so instead, she started hoarding all the money he gave her and buying her own, which is a trait we'll see her develop in her business going forward. So Richard and Kathy, Katie, Kathy, 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 had just bought Jacqueline Smith from Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Sorry, Richard <laughs> and Kathy had just bought Jacqueline Smith from Charlie's Angels' old house in Bel Air, and Smith had left behind a doll's house with running water and electricity. So Paris's sister Nikki says that her sister housed her chinchillas, rats, mice, hamsters, and at one point a goat in the doll's house. She said, "I don't think our parents found out about the goat." The dollhouse was so far away from the main house that my parents never went down there. So this was the inspiration for grown-up Paris to build a life-size house for her dogs. Because why the fuck not? It's fucking batshit, isn't it? It's like... (laughs) I mean, it's a big doll's house. It's it's big, right? Exactly. With running water and electricity. We we just moved to this house and um, there happened to be this mad thing at the end of the garden. Like, they're out of this world. (laughs) Yeah, they do live on a different planet, yeah. don't they? That's who Gemma Collins needs to address. <laughs> I don't know, Jacqueline Smith sounds like a bit of a diva as well. I'd never watched Charlie's Angels. Have you ever seen it? I haven't. No, never the original one. I Oh, oh, I literally thought you were just talking about the film. With no, the, no. The, no. Uh, the original TV show. So we really are talking about the American dream here, aren't we? Like, yeah. this is actually very educational <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> this and steinbeck is all you need to know yeah basically yeah. the hilton <laughs> family list, tree you list this podcast under like history or education or something <laughs> yeah, absolutely exactly. <laughs> a few more listeners if we can <laughs> a hilton family friend and also worst living person and current president describes fancying paris when she was 12 because that's an absolutely fine thing to say with many fine people on either side who definitely aren't sex offenders uh, well technically he says that he didn't fancy her but he did think think who the hell is that which is definitely something you say about a 12 year old and then you definitely follow it up with well at least i wasn't interested because she was 12 and then you sign her to your modeling agency yep that's right the donald graciously waited until paris was 15 before making her the first signing to trump model management against her parents wishes i mean i guess you you probably saw coming that the hiltons and the trumps hang out (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean i'd read it on wikipedia (laughs) so did we (laughs) but yeah they do feel like one and the same they do don't they I mean yeah both sides of the horrible coin (laughs) dirty old coin that you keep at the bottom of your pocket gross Um, for some reason the two Hilton girls were separated in their teens with Nikki going to school in New York and Paris living in California and this is round about the time that the Paris aesthetic and persona emerge pink, bubbly and the voice that we all remember from The Simple Life the kind of that that voice that she does sort of Britney-esque um, Lucy, what do you th- what does her aesthetic kind of mean to you? Well, that is uncanny. Fucking hell, that was great. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> Thanks, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she's in the room oh or on Zoom. <laughs> she's in the Zoom. I am. I mean, uh, the aesthetic. What what I'm interested in, I suppose. Um, Paris Hilton's aesthetic is like this kind of performed hyper feminine thing. Yes. And, and you know, I do that a lot and I'm really interested in it. And I think by dint of it being so performed, mm. there is some that, you know, there's something so self-aware about it. And I'm very interested in how self-aware Paris is and, 
maybe we'll talk about the simple life. We certainly will. Don't um, you will. <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're they're kind of so self-aware in that it's it's quite interesting. And then I suppose with my own kind of performance of femininity, I'm really balancing that with really grotesque things, mm. and that that's what I'm personally really into. Is kind of it is this kind of pop bitch thing and it and it's balancing femininity with something darker and more subversive and I do feel like at least in the simple life they sort of had their own way of doing that I totally agree and I love get the hands that. dirty don't they oh yeah absolutely I love it performative fem- hyper femininity is exactly the name of the game isn't it and there's that kind of I think we'll get into it a bit later, but the way that what ends up with her being so vilified is that for some reason people don't think that performative femininity can be feminist. And what I really like about, I read an interview or listened to an interview with you uh, around about triple threat time when you were talking about how uh, the power of being the butt of the joke. And I think that's so interesting in combination with Paris, with what you've taken from her aesthetic. It's like, I can perform this, hyper sexualized version of femininity but i'm totally in control of it yeah and that is so empowering and it's so what what pissed people off like piers morgan did an interview with paris where he basically just called her talentless to her face it's like no you just don't get it mate you just don't understand yeah um which i i think and one of her major role models is marilyn monroe and i was thinking about that weird um a contradiction there is that like Marilyn seems to exhibit in, um, exist in this space for people where they're like oh I like polka dots and vintage and Marilyn and it's like right Marilyn Monroe had a sadder story and she had a story of a, a rags to riches narrative but she also came to fame via sexualized images in the same way that Paris did and yet mm. Paris it's like it's, it's just I don't know, it's that slightly grotty thing we've got about how we have to see beautiful women die before we take them seriously. Yeah, that's interesting and disturbing. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> I, think, I think she's hyper aware of like the commodity of her body. Yeah. And you see her use that all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it's made her a lot of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikki, her sister, remembers being taken to a club by Paris when she was underage. And Paris said, don't talk, just stand there and pretend to smoke a cigarette and you'll look older. Um, underage clubbing experiences, guys? I mean, <laughs> mine were not as glamorous as the Hilton sisters. <laughs> was the smoking ban in? No, one? no, no. You could smoke in when I was going underage oh, yeah, clubbing. What age did you go clubbing? Like, what's the normal time to go clubbing i was 16 i think because I, I i grew up in london where did you where are you from lucy well i'm a little bit from all over but i once i was at secondary school i grew up in derbyshire right, right. so we're talking like the countryside so i started going like clubbing in quotation marks at 14 oh, wow. i live i lived in like a really small town and we just you know it was like this club where like, I think basically all the girls were 14 and all the men were like 45. Yeah. Kind of oh, thing. That's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> oh, but, um, what was the club called? Yeah, can you remember the name? Pav. Pav. Well, <laughs> the, pavili- the pavilion. <sighs> but um, listen, it's about time people talk about the pav. I'm so <laughs> Get it on the pav. Justice for the pav. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Sticky floors, neon lights, phone parties. All of it. Yeah, and then even after a while, they were going to shut it down. So they tried to sell curry in there as well and turn it into a restaurant. So then you can throw, like, (laughs) 
clubbing and alcohol and curry into the mix. It's your one-stop shop for a night out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Get your drinks. My one was called the Dome that we used to go to in Tufnell Park, which is where I grew up. And my mum used to call it the Petri dish because every time I went out, I came back with a different infection. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mostly streptococcal throat over and over again. But there you go. I want to dig into the sort of the look and the voice uh, after you've so amazingly demonstrated it in terms of gender performance. Um, So lots of sources, including Nikki and Paris, say that Paris adopted the high baby voice to get what she wanted from men when she was young. She said, I learned that from a young age, if my boyfriend would get mad at me, I'd just say I'm sorry in a baby voice and then he'd forgive me. So I thought that was quite interesting in terms of like what we were just saying about knowing exactly what she's doing because <laughs> controlling every aspect of it yeah i mean i think loads of people do that don't they yeah right yeah and the kardashians all have that voice don't they yeah so. but they've taken it to the, like the next level haven't they the vocal fry from from paris <laughs> yeah it's quite i just feel like it's such a complicated conversation this which like i couldn't possibly even begin to untangle the agency within these things and I don't want to be like patronizing towards someone but I do think she's probably completely subsumed into this certain kind of system and you know yeah I think when I think when people talk about Paris Hilton there probably is a lot of misogyny involved Mm -hmm. but at the same time like she probably is just a horrible (laughs) right-wing privileged yeah. Yeah. So, you know. yeah. <laughs> You're like she's definitely definitely objectionable but the way that people treat her is also objectionable but on a yeah. completely different level yeah exactly but I, yeah i hate the player not the game right yeah exactly <laughs> so paris came back to new york age 15 and it was in her late teens that the press started to pay attention to her and nikki on the party scene with the new york post referring to her as the most fascinating girl in town the most outrageous new york city-based heiress is hotel darling paris hilton 19 part-time model with a tendency to flash her thong michelle got health wrote in the post on october 5th 2000 kathy hilton refuted that paris wore thongs paris had just learned how to get paid to party so a part-time model. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think anyone does it on salary, do they? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they do. She's got a zero-hours contract. <laughs> Lucy, you're a model. Uh... <laughs> you tell us. I'm, I'm an, it girl, an it girl and a model <laughs> and an heiress. Yeah. Have you been oh, furloughed? Like, weird introduction. <laughs> Where has she got this from? Oh, my God. She who does she think she's booked? <laughs> oh, um, there's an, uh, have you seen the Netflix documentary... Uh, the American meme. Have you seen that one come Ooh, out? Yeah. I haven't. Should I? Yeah, worth a watch. It's alright. Yeah, it's worth a watch. You quite enjoyed it. Surprisingly sad. Yeah, uh, she speaks about the infamous shoot that she did uh, with Nikki and David LaChapelle. Not to be confused with Dave Chappelle. No. Uh, LaChapelle told her that he, she was going to be his muse, uh, the Edie Sedgwick to his Warhol, and convinced her to do a photo shoot with Nikki, who was still only fifteen at the time. Uh, you might you might remember the pictures, Lucy. They're very famous. And it's um it, t- it was on the take place on the Sunset Strip and in her grandmother's house. Um Paris is in the silver hot pants and a silver jacket with no bra. Um and she remembers a makeup artist pulling down her top and spraying water into her eyes until she couldn't see. Why? Uh no idea. 
just says, okay. Yeah, uh, next thing she knows... Uh, because it's not enough to be, like, a sexy little girl. You've got to be, like, a sexy crying little girl. Exactly. Right. Sexy blind. wet crying, yeah. <laughs> wet and blind and crying. Exactly. And then Le Chappelle mm-hmm. basically rings her up and is like, hey, great news. Um, Vanity Fair want the pictures. And she was like, oh, I thought we were just doing those for fun. And oh. next thing she knows, they're in they're in Vanity Fair. Is how she, she tells. She was doing that's how she fun. tells it, um, which is I think an interesting, interesting to hear that, and also interesting that he basically manipulated her in the same way that Andy Warhol did with Edie Sedgwick, being like, "I'm going to control every aspect of your image, and you don't get any fucking say in it." Mm. Uh, in the wake of the infamous photo shoot, Paris's tabloid inches became full features, Vogue, Tatler and FHM covers and extensive catwalk appearances. Uh, it seems that the star maker machine didn't quite know what to do with her at this point. Uh, model actress, we know. Professional partier, not entirely sure what that is. No. No. Accordingly, Paris appeared in a range of roles which were basically her or actually her. Uh, so first she did Sweetie Pie in 2000, which according to IMDb is a harrowing modern day morality tale <laughs> about kids who have had too much too soon. Uh, she also had a five second cameo as herself in Zoolander, playing a strong out supermodel in a short film and a socialite in straight to DVD horror Nine Lives. And have you managed to catch any of those <laughs> classics? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Surely you've got a copy of Nine Lives on that shelf in the background somewhere. <laughs> or House of Wax. Remember House of Wax? Mm, reboot. Wasn't it? No, that I'm 100% up for watching. Yeah. I never saw that. And I bet that must be, come on, that's uh, got to be a good watch. It's got to be good, isn't it? They, apparently they timed the release of her Madame Tussauds waxwork for the release of the film as well. Oh, dear. <laughs> that's, that's the tie-in, guys. I did have a... I had a listen to Stars Are Blind before oh. uh, talking to you. I was hoping that we might, you know, be able to play oh, yeah. some. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whack a bit of that on the podcast. <laughs> whack a bit of Stars I mean, that's an absolute tune. That's listen, it's a banger. Guess. It got Super to number fine. six as well. And it's also... It's kind of like the nostalgia that goes along with it. But, yeah. you know, I would have been... I don't know. Some a teenager. Yeah, come yeah. on. Stars are blind. Stars are blind, what, man. What an absolute tune. It gets played quite a lot as well. Petras covered it. Yeah. It's like it sounds like you think you you'd be legit think it's a blondie song, I think. It sounds like the tide is high. Have you heard heard my best friend's ass? Yeah. Yeah. Less good. Yeah. Yeah, see what we mean? Sounds a bit like a Peter Andre song. Yeah. Yeah. It's a banger. I remember this. Yeah. I had completely forgotten about this. She can legit sing. Well, she I mean, recorded like... a song. It's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's she's as good as other people who are be- performing are artists. I don't know. She's as good as like... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Who's as good as... into trouble now, <laughs> aren't you? Who's as good a singer as, as, as uh, Paris, Paris Hilton? Hilton. <laughs> Could be anyone at this. Well, point. maybe that's a question for the listeners. There we go. They could. They can work that one. Right out. in, kids. But <laughs> <laughs> after Nine Lives, around about the time the production company behind The Real World got in touch about a reality show they were hoping to call The Simple Life, and that's where we're going to take a little break. Now, Lucy, in the before. Uh, we used to get guests round to our house and we'd make them a, a themed snack to do with the... Aww. I know, gutted. So, I mean, this is a bit it's a bit cruel, but what do you think we would have given you for a Paris-themed snack? Oh. 
A croissant? <laughs> if you'd wanted. Basically, you could have come in and had whatever you wanted. Uh, but no, that wasn't what you were going to get. Oh, sorry, you were going to get the burger that she helped design, the Princess Paris Sliving Burger, uh, which consists of Wagyu beef and Himalayan pink salt and has a gold leaf star on the bun. So there you go. That's that's a little gold star. We'd have gone and got you some We would have made that for you. Yeah. We'd have gone and got some Wagyu beef. Of course we would. Send it me. Send it me. Yeah, I've got your address or something. Yeah. Ooh, that's going to be a mess. haunting, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Like a cow heart in the post. a pound of meat in the the post. (laughs) Lovely. Well, we'll have a little breaky then. And we're back. Uh, so let's get into The Simple Life. Uh, for those who don't know, this was the reality TV show which invented reality TV as we know it. Uh, basically, Paris, Nicole Richie and Tinkerbell, RIP, um, roared <laughs> around from rural town to town on a so-called journey of discovery, slumming it with poor people. Uh, Lucy, what are your memories of The Simple Life? Oh, I was absolutely obsessed. Were you obsessed? From day one, or were you like a late... Did you come to the party late or were you there? Oh, day one, if anything, it pitted pitted out for me. But, oh my God, first couple of series. I mean, they are actually such a good watch. They're so funny. I re-watched a couple. Did you? When we said we're going to do this. Does it stand up? I mean, (laughs) I wouldn't say it stands up exactly, but I would say that, that... I enjoyed revisiting them and they are entertaining. Yeah. Like they, they're a bloody good double act, them two. They are. You no, know, they, they really are. They they yeah. Cause also I tried to watch a Paris Hilton's My BFF or whatever oh, it was called. My BFF. Yeah. So boring. <laughs> so boring and I was just like, oh, this just shows you like you're nothing without Nicole on <laughs> Not nothing, but it yeah. was a double act, and they were they were yeah. They needed they were... the combo. Nicole's a really good actress. She's... She was in a sitcom recently really? called Good News, yeah. which is on Netflix. There's two series of it. She's really funny. Oh, she's really funny in it. Like oh, I didn't know that. She's sort of okay. playing herself, but as a news anchor. But she's really funny. Yeah, she knows how to sell a line, mm. which she did in the Good Life. To be fair, they both did. The Simple Life. The Simple Life. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the... Oh, is it not Felicity Kendall? Is what I was thinking of. I'd love it if they were in the Good Life. <laughs> Or Same, universe. Same universe. Same universe. Oh, that really made me laugh. Yeah, they're really like in the simple life. There are, um, they are brilliant clowns. Yeah, and they they really they do sort of surrender themselves to entertainment. Yeah, um, and most of the time they're kind of fucking with other people, and maybe that's why. But they do put themselves in in positions where they can like look like idiots and stuff yeah and um you know it is it is quite a good exercise in clowning i think definitely and also in what you were saying earlier about like undermining the sort of stereotypical femininity like you've got this person dressed in like like she's all done up in like her best gear and she's like fisting a cow or something (laughs) Whatever it is that they used to do on the program, I haven't watched it Definitely. in a while. Yeah, she does fist a cow. There you go. Um, <laughs> I knew I remember something from it. I wrote down something about the simple life. Go on, let's go hear on. it. It's quite inspirational. <laughs> They're using elements of silliness to puncture heavily male environments. Okay, that's not that inspirational. No, I think it's a really good observation. <laughs> really good point. Yeah, because yeah, they're farms, right? They're farms, farms and, and yeah. bars and like those stereotypical American 
like male orientated they, they are super well because i suppose what you could say because then on the other hand and i always kind of feel both ways about paris and the stuff that we're talking about is like is it, is it is it really privileged and really rude but i was just considering the idea of you know like they are being very strategic they are clowning and they're using silliness and this performed naivety to like cut through these environments that otherwise they don't fit in yeah um, so it's, it's really clever way of like gaining power in these environments where they, where they actually have no power. Yes. That's really, that's really good, good observation. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. Oh, I thought that was a good one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Come on. Especially because like, the producers have probably just gone, it's a fish out of water show. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're going to put two people that don't belong in this environment into this environment. But it's it's Nicole and Paris that have done the work to yeah. to, to turn that around, to actually make that operate like in yeah. the, the way that you were saying. That's really, it's really interesting as well. So Paris said... Uh, that she was playing a character. She's actually said that. She said, when I was developing the character for The Simple Life, I was like, this is your voice for the show. Do it all the time. I think if you're actually like that in real life, it's like beyond. But if you're in on the joke, you know what you're doing, you're aware of it and you're doing it purposefully. I think that's actually really smart. I agree with her. It is it's exactly what we've been talking about. Isn't I mean, I'm it? not wild about someone saying that what they're doing is actually really smart. But like, <laughs> she hangs out with Trump. What do you expect? That is also true. Who is a stable genius? Very stable genius. Um, but she's I think right. you know that's what performers and comedians do all the time, mm. and it is a head fuck when people have a perception of you on stage, and it you know it might be based on you, but it's obviously not you because you're on stage, and like that. What she's said there doesn't surprise me at all and I do and I also think like I actually get really confused in my life with like (laughs) what percentage of me I am when and like which is the more truthful version (laughs) and like it's all very confusing um but I just I think that's quite cool and avant guard of her i agree yeah it's quite quite performance art in a way yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh my god guys the simple life was performance art (laughs) we've called it but also like it shows that she's a natural performer as well right like she's okay yeah she's massively privileged her basic you know but Piers morgan called her talentless and she's born into enormous wealth and that's kind of her thing like being an it girl but clearly she has some of the natural building blocks to like yeah to know how to perform, to know what to do. Like maybe she's not an actress or like maybe she's not, she couldn't do stand up or anything, but like she is, yeah, she's, she's, she's a performer. Maybe she could. I'd love to see her have a try. I would, I would pay such good money to see that. Funny you, um, talking about performance art, because the other thing I was thinking, which might be a bit of a push, but just, just is about how, messy the simple life is and like Mm. often they're either they're making a mess or they're breaking things and it was just (laughs) weird to be thinking about that in relation to like kind of being interviewed about my own work because those are these key things that I would do it's about making a mess um breaking objects and partly that's entertaining but partly it's sort of political it's about um stuff not being really clear cut and easy and it's it's about there not being sort of simple answers simple answers to things and wanting to just I don't know like 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 break some tension um and even though I don't know who knows what 
their take on it and maybe it's like quite different to that nevertheless there is in that program this balance of like these beautiful beautiful women and this mess yeah and those are the things yes. that play like there's you know this one point when nicole can't find her bag and they're, they're all in a bar and there's a pool table and nicole is going crazy where's my bag like <laughs> and she goes into the back somewhere and finds this massive um bottle of bleach and she pours it all over the pool table she's like where's my fucking bag (laughs) (laughs) like ruins this pool table and you know whether that is staged and produced or not i don't really care no it happened she's still fucking doing it it's still like awful and amazing that is is kind of amazing it is it's disrupting spaces isn't it yeah. it's force yeah forcing yourself into a, a space that wouldn't normally accept and i love that idea about yeah exactly what you say making a mess there's also something about destroying those things and like sort of making everything unclear and stuff which is is very queer i guess is like mm. which might explain why paris Hilton and nicole are, are very big in terms of the lgbtq plus community like they're definitely you know huge held up as huge like yeah stars in that sense there might be something really queer about that i don't know but do, i think you described your work as queer in the past is that right lucy yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm queer, yeah. So that would... Yeah, I think that is a it's a queer sensibility. Like you say to disrupt an environment. Maybe I wouldn't put it quite. Like, it depends. It depends. Different for everyone. But the, that general kind of disruption or interruption of, of very straight, um, uh, kind of these like super aggressive kind of male environments. Like they are sort of queer in the environment and. Um, you know, it also makes me think like we were talking earlier about, you know, women having to shout or the idea of a, of a diva and what is that? And, and are they just rude? But it's kind of like maybe, maybe in environments in which nobody's listening to you, you know, you have to be shout and be rude sometimes yeah. because... Yeah you know and then you get told you're aggressive but actually what's happening is there's no other option for you yeah other than raise your voice yeah i love that i think that's such such an astute observation she could not have found her bag unless she got that bleach she needed (laughs) she could not have done it (laughs) she is she is being an absolute horrible little like twat in that moment as well but you know yeah I think we, we can like look you could sort of look at that with under like quite a few different frames yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and but like also that's probably why like the queer community and the punk community is so linked as well because mm. that, that is punk right like just destroying something for destruction's sake mm. or like disrupting for disruption's sake I guess it's yeah. probably disrupting is probably a better word but like that is what she's doing she's disrupting a straight environment or a yeah a square environment yeah, I mean I th- think it's also about disrupting something because there's like a political reason to do it so even though it might look like it's for destruction's sake or it might look as if you're just being an arsehole again it's this thing of kind of um that level of um interruption Mm. being necessary because what's what's the alternative yeah (laughs) I <laughs> really yeah. like how we're like yeah taking this like moment of the simple life <laughs> about like 
queer theory and <laughs> like the history of punk. <laughs> I think it's really important that we do. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, but Camille Paglia said that she, um, Paris Hilton, holds herself and copied uh, poses from drag queens as well. Maybe. So I think there might be an extent that she's aware of that, potentially. Maybe. Um, Growing sure. up a party, the New York party scene as well. Yeah, she might have, been, uh... have be, uh, got an awareness. Um, so I'd say arguably The Simple Life is the first example of Paris the businesswoman because she's monetizing her image like you said earlier Lucy and in the process she spawns the reality TV boom um, so the 13 million viewers watched the premiere episode of The Simple Life and to contextualise that the highest ever rated episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians got 4.8 so like whoa yeah, that is nuts that's insane that's and that crazy. is before the, the sex tape so the sex tape is dropped like basically almost the same time, but the simple life does come out. The first episode, that 13 million figure is pre-sex tape. Yeah. I mean, you've got to allow for stuff like streaming and different methods of yeah. the way that people watch TV now. But yeah, that is that is really mad. But uh, yeah, it but was a lot. It was a <laughs> lot. a lot of people. <laughs> as, uh, as was the sex tape. <laughs> Rick uh, Salaman, is that how he pronounces? Salaman. Salaman. Short for Salamander, presumably. Yeah, he's a, a poker player and lizard and <laughs> professional prick. He filmed the tape when Paris was 18 and he was 30. It gets leaked when she's 20, shortly after the debut of The Simple Life, as you said. Uh, who leaked the tape has never been proven. It was Rick and was the subject of multiple lawsuits. Uh, so this is what Rick said had happened. I had the tape at my house. I kept it there. And, you know, I had my buddy. He had access to my house for a couple of years and he was obsessed with me. And he ended up making a copy of the tape and he had it. And the rest is history. Obsessed with me. <laughs> he sounds like Regina George. Fucking ridiculous. Hey, I feel. I feel like you've not said what the sex tape was called yet. Oh, we, that is important. It's actually not called that at that point. Oh, yeah. Oh no, there's more history to the sex tape. I mean, but what a title. So, um, so both sides lawyer up. Rick sues the company that distributed the tape and tries to sue the Hiltons over a statement they released when they which they refused to retract. Which the statement basically said that Rick had exploited Paris. Paris sues the company that distributed the tape. Rick, I didn't leak the tape Salaman, then openly starts selling the tape in full colour, and that's when he gives it the name One Night in Paris. (laughs) How can you hate something and love something so much at the same time? (laughs) Like, I'm so angry, but also, that is fucking brilliant. It is genius, isn't it? It's such a cunt of a man such a shit bag oh fucking hell did you did you ever see this sort of the night vision footage <laughs> i mean i sort of recollect maybe i've seen silence of the lambs <laughs> yeah they're quite similar yeah. <laughs> like the blair witch project yeah it does yeah i've actually not seen it but from what i've heard it's very pedestrian is how it's been described to me often are aren't they yeah i think so and he is such a shite he's also he was married to pamela anderson later he's not the guy that did that no no that was that's that's tommy lee of course it is yeah um but there's i think there's there's a bit of a there's a type of man isn't there that makes money off sex tapes Mm. so despite rick being ordered to pay paris four hundred thousand dollars plus a percentage of the tape sale profit Nice one. Uh, Paris said that she has never made money off her sex tape. I never made a dollar. I make enough money in nice ways. My fragrance line makes enough. 
I don't need to worry about that. Uh, she didn't need the money from the sex tape. She doesn't even really need money from her family's money. She says that the only she says that she only actually inherited five million dollars. Sure, that's just five million dollars more than the rest of us have. But uh, from the simple life onwards, Paris the brand made bank without the last name. Sidebar on Rick Salomon, by the way, his daughter Hunter was recently dating Paris's little brother Conrad. Hunter took out a restraining order against Conrad, who violated that restraining order while stealing one of her dad's cars. That's so fucking mad, isn't it? <laughs> the guy she did the sex tapes with daughter was going out with her brother I mean and then stole one of his cars yeah sure insane uh, as you do so she became as we said like the reality TV diva of the George W era she released her autobiography Confessions of an Heiress a tongue in cheek a tongue in cheek peek behind the pose co-written with Merle Ginsburg of Drag Race fame uh, she launched her own lifestyle brand. She released a range of hair extensions. As we said, she starred in House of Wax and released the bang in Stars Are Blind. Uh, and this is kind of like real golden era of incredibly camp and ridiculous things which happen around Paris in this decade. And I believe it would be, I'd be doing a disservice to my own journalistic integrity if we did not discuss the Holy Trinity picture. It's Lindsay, it's Brittany, it's Paris, it's the back of a car on a night out. I mean, do you, do you know the picture I'm talking about, Lucy? I think I do. Like, yeah. I'm going to Google it now. Yeah, Google the Holy Trinity, Lindsay, Paris, Brittany. It's just absolutely Is it iconic. known as the Holy Trinity? Yeah, Paris put it on our, like, uh, flash, uh, flashback on her TikTok. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she did a tweet, like, about a couple of years ago, being, like, 10 years ago since the Holy Trinity. <gasps> do you think they called it that at the time? Yeah. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> But she was also incredibly sassy about it, saying that Lindsay had gatecrashed the picture and wasn't supposed <laughs> to be in it in the first place. <laughs> I've got so much respect for two out of those three as well. I know. <laughs> Have you watched Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club, Lucy? Oh. No, what, what is that? Oh my oh, God. God, you have to watch it. <laughs> So Lindsay Lohan now runs a beach club with her business partner. What's his name? I can't remember his name. It's in Mykonos. It's in Mykonos. Um, So she runs a beach club and... But it's also a reality TV show where she's like... like, She's like the boss and they've hired all these American kids to come over on their like gap year or whatever to work at her beach club. And she's just overseeing them and every week she has to get rid of one of them. It is... Oh my incredible. God. <laughs> and they are abhorrent. They are all They're fucking all absolutely horrible. Absolutely horrific people. <laughs> so every time one of them goes, you're like, good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking genius. It's so good. And Lindsay oh, just swans around like, oh, I don't know. She's like Mrs. Havisham. She, <laughs> she is. We recorded it all. Where is where would you get it now? It's on MTV. Is it MTV, was it? So you'd probably get Maybe it. Maybe it's on YouTube or It's something. gotta be. Yeah, it yeah. might be. <laughs> Right, so basically, this was <laughs> this was some hot nonsense between Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton and Britney when they were all hanging out. Uh, but the real tea is that Lindsay ended up dating Paris's ex, and Paris was really pissed off about it. So her shitty mate started calling Lindsay Firecrotch. This was kind of where it all when it, when it degenerated into hot tabloid nonsense. This is the shit that was going on. Did you manage to get the picture up? Yeah, I got the picture. I mean, yeah, yeah. very nostalgic, really. Mm-hmm. I know it's good. It's a real time and a place, isn't it? That yeah. Where were you when the Holy Trinity were? At- yeah, because I mean, look at that. They've all got like straightened hair with maybe a little bit of a kink from your straightener. Yeah, <laughs> fake tan. 
sort of um yeah it's a look it's definitely a look I mean, look at britney's bracelet Ooh. oh my god they all they don't like they're going to a, a wedding <laughs> they, do oh, a bit. they look like they're at the end of a night out uh, some of them they do. Oh, well, Lindsay and Brittany look like they're going for a conga. funeral. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and Paris is going for a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, but not everyone was enamoured by Paris and the celebitant culture she inspired, including her grandfather Baron, who ended up writing her out of his will. He was scandalised by her multiple DUIs and never forget, she did jail time in 2007 uh, for a probation violation. Her original sentence was 45 days and she was released after 23 days for good behaviour. Can so, you picture the mugshot? Get that Google out, Lucy. Have a look yeah, at that. I bet she had like a private room somewhere. Like yeah. it's not really a jail experience, is it? <laughs> I think it was Felicity Hoffman-esque in its kind of luxury. <laughs> you couldn't yeah. put Paris in like with everyone else, could you? I think she went to a wing that was basically for like children of the rich and famous who'd been caught. She would be in immense danger <laughs> if she was in an actual, just in whatever the word is for. I don't know, gen- do general it? population, do they call gen it? Gen pop, gen- isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, the American prison system. We'll leave that there. Um, the party was definitely winding down, though, and after falling out with Nicole Ritchie, the vital part of the double act, there was an opening for a new BFF. So Paris did that bizarre reality show, uh, Paris Hilton's British BFF, where hapless Brits had to do menial tasks to catch her attention. It was fucking boring, as Lucy's pointed out. <laughs> yeah, what, but so- the best part—the best part of that program when I looked it up because I, I didn't watch it at the time was that at the end, um, when she like says, who's got to leave? She says, T-T-Y-N. <laughs> um, talk to you never. Talk to you never. I was thinking like, ta-ta for now. And I was like... Because <laughs> <laughs> she's gone British. She says, talk to you never. To that's you very... Never. Yeah, that's very funny that that's what you assume. <laughs> um, but yeah, t- talk to you never was I like a little thing but also she can't be bothered to like say the full statement <laughs> doesn't need to yeah. it reminds me of an old boss that i had that used to always sign off all the best which oh. is obviously like very fake and no one really means that but he would just put atb and it's like oh, no you can't be wishing me all the best if you only can be asked to write atb that's not all the best <laughs> anyway, is it is that it's all the all I all have to work. bother with, yeah. But some of the best. <laughs> all the I can't be asked. Yeah. All the best I can be bothered with. Certain people, like people of like my mum's generation, think LOL stands for lots of love. Do you have you had that? With people? <laughs> <laughs> There's a very funny story in which my my friend, who shall remain nameless, uh, just for the sake of their family, but he got a text from his dad saying, uh, just to let you know, your grandma's died. Lol. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, <laughs> that can you so imagine? Good. You're Worst news ever, but also you're like, I got a good story out of it. Uh, but I did want to have a sort of wider conversation about basically there kind of being the sense that her it was time for her to wind down and, and like the, the kind of, if this was a tragic, there was a tragic arc to this, this is the time of the heroine's downfall because like the, the wolves are snapping at her heels now and they're like, nah, you've had enough. Um, and I think the kind of the constant saturation of the tabloids with Paris uh, meant that people were like, yeah, we've, we've all had enough, including the media who basically did, did a ban on her. They were like, we're not covering her anymore, uh, which is 
again, like they've all made a lot of money off this woman. And then they've been like, no, she's, we're bored of her now. And so in 2009, CNN ran a story asking why has Paris Hilton disappeared? Because you've stopped reporting on her. <laughs> like she hasn't yeah. gone anywhere. Had you got, was that around the point? So Simple Life was long gone by that point, right? Because then we had Paris. Yeah. The BFF. But you didn't watch Paris's BFF at the time, right, Lucy? No. 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 So it's sort of, did you feel that sense of malaise with her by that point? Had you sort of lost interest or you're like, <laughs> I've sort of had enough of you now? <laughs> sort of. Yeah, I I don't think I gave Paris Hilton a moment's thought. <laughs> Just let her drift off into the sea. <laughs> but 2010, days after he'd pulled a gun on an intruder at her home, her then-boyfriend, Cy Waits, and Paris were arrested for possession of marijuana and cocaine. She pled guilty to possession and obstructing an officer. Explosive footage of her and Cy arguing was featured on The World, according to Paris, but the show still failed to get any good ratings. So then she went on Good Morning America and the host repeatedly asked her if her moment had passed, basically, and if she'd been surpassed by Kim Kardashian. Because as you'll remember, Lucy is a, a Simple Life fan. That's where Kim Kardashian was first first made her appearance was on The Simple Life. You said she's her friend here, but wasn't she her assistant? Yes. Yeah, kind of, but not really. So there's a meme of Paris being like, clean out my closet. And then Kim's like, okay, but apparently the text is different from actually what happened in the show. Uh. I don't think Kim Kardashian's ever had to be anyone's PA. No, true. <laughs> Lisa, but I think I think she had a kind of subservient role to Paris. Oh, um, maybe. Yeah. So basically, Paris got pissed off with this and walked out of the interview. However, she had a hot mic, and you could hear her having a conversation with her publicist, saying that she didn't want all this footage to be used. Um, and then she did rejoin the interview, which doesn't get widely reported. Like people are like, oh God, Paris has pulled a strop again. It's like, well, actually, you've just been quite mean to her. And then she came back. And then she came back again. Uh, so according to an Ipsos poll at the end of the first decade of the millennium, she was the most unpopular celebrity with Americans, with 60% of respondents viewing her unfavourably. Fuck them, right? Paris, the capitalist chameleon, tried something new. DJing! Yeah. And she now gets paid an absolute fucking fortune to do something she's actually really good at. Yeah. Um, and despite recent partial human Piers Morgan calling her talentless to her face, as we've mentioned. Um, Lucy, when all this is over, do you want to go and see Paris DJing with us? <laughs> Real talk. I really, I really want to go to Ibiza, so... That is what this um... has all been about. <laughs> Basically, you could have just asked me if I want to go to... <laughs> Should have just sent you an email in the first place. The right? answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, we can, and then we can, on the way back, we can stop by Lindsay's Beach. Oh, my God. Go by, by, by Mykonos on the way out. Yeah. Incredible. Absolutely. Relax a bit. <laughs> but she does, she like, she DJs into the early hours of the morning. She doesn't do like, you know, five minutes at 10 and then fucks off. She turns like, up, she, someone does it on Spotify. She does and she the pumps whole fucking thing. And she gets paid millions. <laughs> oh, that's probably why she does the whole fucking thing. Yeah, well, you know, she probably doesn't have to. So also in 2018, the American meme came out um, and it was it, it basically widely hails her as being the mother of influencer culture. And particularly poignant is the way she refers to her hashtag Little Hiltons, her fans, as her family. So she says that she is accustomed to being fucked over and that is something she's safe with amongst her community of fans. Uh, she also says, a lot of the Little Hiltons compare me to Jesus. It's a huge compliment. So, Lucy, as someone who has given her Jesus in your amazing show, Triple Threat, do you see the link between Paris and Jesus? Between me and Jesus? Well, yeah, I see I the do. link there. <laughs> 
you, yeah. Paris, and Jesus, all the same cast. That's the Holy Trinity. <laughs> wow, what a thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Not me, her. <laughs> no, yours was perfectly based in, in reality and logic. My, mine makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Hers is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> how did you what's um so i didn't get to see the show unfortunately but do you do a beard do you do a stigmata what's the how do you give oh, your God, I, used to, I used to do a beard when i was first developing it i think i dropped the beard in the end but um <clears throat> yeah so in that show i the i attempt to tell the story of the new testament playing all the lead roles myself. So, like Cher in West Side Story. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm take I'm taking on the Virgin Mary, Mary Magdalene. I mean, you know, I've really got to show my range in that show. Absolutely. Um, all the big roles. <laughs> <laughs> so today, Paris is one of the richest women in the world, a generous charitable donor. The brand is going strong. She's dropped that's hot in favour of sliving slaying and living and she's now widely celebrated as a cultural icon who forever changed the face of pop culture which to go full circuit is how i could have introduced you lucy a cultural icon who changed the face of pop culture and an it girl and a model and an it girl and a model so that basically that that's us up to date with uh, with paris and bringing us to plugs and hugs we can't hug you obviously but we can digitally hug you and, and I've got we... no plugs because <laughs> I've got no work. No, you will do. So when everything, when when the apocalypse is over, what what can we look forward to? Life Live. Yeah, I will be doing um, Life Live. And I also, yeah, I got this mad job being cast at the National Theatre playing Catherine in Wuthering Heights. Yeah, you fucking did. Um, so that has been postponed at the moment, but uh, fingers crossed it's still happening. Oh, I that can't wait. Is... Amazing. It's going to be incredible, isn't it? Emma Rice directing. Yes, please. Oh. I can't wait. I'm sorry. Yeah. You must have been so excited. Yeah, very excited. Amazing. And another opportunity to work with, with, with you and Emma Rice in a collaboration. That sounds fucking brilliant. Um, so <laughs> everyone, buy tickets for that and go and see that and all of Lucy's work. And thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. You're very right. welcome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Diva Energy. If you did and you want to reach out and have a chat, share your BDE stories with us, maybe even your Paris-related stories, or just tell us which diva means the most to you, you can tweet us at Diva Energy or email us at bigdivaenergypod at gmail.com. This podcast is a Dark Matters production. If you thought we were hot, then don't forget to like and subscribe. Alternatively, if you think we're fire crotch, get, get in, in the, the sea! sea. Bye! Bye. <laughs> Yay! Oh, lovely. Oh.